Welcome to Gateway Community Church, Webster, Texas. We're so glad you found us, and we hope this message helps you discover more about God and His unique plan for your life. Good morning, Gateway. How's everybody doing? Come on, yes. Celebrate. It's the end of summer. Good things, bad things are happening, right? School's coming back. Kids are going to school. (laughs) Hey, I want to celebrate just for a moment. How about that offering just now and the picture of that family in this church? That was awesome. Awesome. And then our praise and worship team with all the new faces on it today. Do you see all these new faces singing? Just, they're fabulous. Our worship team is fabulous. Amen. Well, I want to share with you today. I have a, a new nickname I've discovered uh, this past week. I want to share with you. And I kind of fancy it just a little bit. I've been uh, nicknamed the Amen Guy. Is that true? Do I say amen a lot when I'm up here? Okay. Well, let's put that to the test. So every time I say amen today, I want you to respond back with an amen. Amen? Amen. Yeah, let's have some fun. Hey, amen. (laughs) Just joking. All right. Well, I want to talk to you about something today. I want to talk to you about being unoffendable. Being unoffendable for Jesus. What does that mean and and, and how does that relate to me in my life? And I want to dig up, how many here know that we're offended easily sometimes, aren't we? And somebody can share just a phrase with us and we won't speak to them for the rest of our lives. Amen? Amen? And some people will see this attitude about them, and we get offended by it. Or, or, or maybe their religion, we get offended by that. Right? Or maybe sometimes it's their body language. They're saying this, but they look like this. Right? Sometimes nothing has to be said at all. And we can just get offended like that. When we're offended, we shut down. I'll give you an example. If I don't get done at 12 o'clock, you're all going to be offended with me, right? That was not an amen moment. (laughs) The mic is on. (laughs) Amen? So I want to talk to you a little bit about how can we focus on being unoffendable. What is something that we can focus on? And the thing I want to really unpack and look at today is selfishness. We can't be selfish because when we're selfish, we're easily offended. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. So everybody knows the game of kickball, right? Yes? It's a great game where you try to knock people completely off their feet with a ball, right? A lot of love in that. (laughs) Well, let me give you an example of selfishness. So in kickball, there's two captains picked, right? And they come up front, and they have the rest of the crowd to start picking their team. And the moment those captains are picked, you in the crowd go, man, I should have been the captain. I know how to pick the winning team, right? 
and boom, we're selfish. And then we're standing there. The next thing that happens, the captains are picked, is we're like, okay, I want to be on that person's team because I know they're going to win the game. And all of a sudden, we're selfish again. We're thinking about what we want. It's about the win, not the fun, right? And then finally, you get picked on a team, and you're standing over here with the captain, and, uh, and he's picking other people and looking at the team, and he looks over, and, and, and you look over, and you say, hey, captain, see James Knight over here? Yeah, he can't run. Don't pick him. And we influence the captain because we're selfish, right? And then the dreaded last thing, to be picked last. <laughs> you're standing there with one other person, and the only thing you're thinking about is, is if they don't pick me before that other person, man, that means they don't like me, they don't care about me, nobody likes me, no one cares about me. And in that moment, we're actually being selfish. Because I tell you, the captain is thinking about who he's going to pick first, not who he's going to pick last. But we go to that place sometimes. Amen? Are you with me? So I want to give you some godly examples of selfishness. And I'm going to unpack four questions that I'm going to share with you. And here are those questions. The first one is, does God love me? Is that a selfish question? The second question is, I need to find out what my call is so I can lead people. Is that selfish? The third question is, it's not about authority or order in the service, it's about me and God. Is that a selfish question? The last one is, God is not fair. I keep going through these trials and temptations of sin and he doesn't answer my prayers. Well, let's talk about those four questions real quick and unpack selfishness. The first one, does God love me? Has anyone ever said that? Thought that? Has anyone been in a dark enough place to feel that way? Church, I want you to hear this word. It's really important. 1 John 4, 7 through 11, and this is how it reads. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Do you all love? Then you all know God. Because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that he might live through us. That's powerful. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an anointing sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. I want to clear something up for you right now. I'm going to make it crystal clear. God loves you. And the word says so. And your circumstances don't define who you are. Are you hearing me? This is important. You are loved by God. And I don't ever want you to think and ask that question again. Because that question is from selfishness. Does God love me? 
the answer is yes. Amen? Question number two. I need to find out what my call is so I can lead people. That's not such a bad question. We all want to know what our call is. God, what do you have for me so I can lead people? Or is it selfish? I think that should read, I need to find out what my call is so I can serve people. Amen? That we are to serve one another, not lead. Let me tell you what to do, but to serve you as a family of God. Listen to this, Mark 10, 42 through 45. It says, so Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers of this world lord it over their people and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For, every, for even the Son of Man came not to ser- be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for ours. Right? Jesus came to serve. And in serving his people, we follow him. If I'm going to stand up here and say, I'm going to lead you guys today, I'm being selfish. I don't want to lead you. I want to serve you. Amen? And that's how we want to serve is our brothers and sisters and serve them by showing them the love of Jesus Christ because that love heals everything. No question about it. Heals everything. Third question. This one's a little stiffer. It's not about authority or order in the service. It's about me and God. That can be very selfish. You know why? It's because God has had authority and order in the Bible from Genesis all the way through. There's always been authority. There's always been order in what he does and what he tells us through his word. Amen? And when we don't follow authority and order, then we create chaos and confusion. And that is the devil's playground. We have to... How many of you know in the world today, authority and order is crazy out there? There's crazy stuff happening out there. People don't give a flip about anything. I watched a deal on Facebook, and a lady got tased by a police officer right in front of her kids because she was yelling at him to try to get her point across. Wouldn't it be a lot easier if she smiled at him and smiled and said, Jesus loves you? Wouldn't that be easier? We struggle with authority and order sometimes. Let me read this word to you. Romans 13, 1 through 2. It says, Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. And that word is clear, isn't it? You know what's important about this verse is the very start of it says, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. 
The word governing in Greek is kubernesei. And what it means is to guide. And the definition it gave is the person, those who act as a guide to the local church. You know who that is? That's your anointed pastor that's called to lead this church. Now here at Gateway, we have seven. You have options. But Randy is our senior pastor. And we need to know, we need to know who our pastor is. You need to know who your pastor is. You need to spend time and understand who he is. So that you can understand that he is hearing from God and guiding this church in the way God is telling us it should go. Amen? You have to have trust in that and belief in that. In the word, it says shepherd many times in the New Testament. And in Latin, that translates to pastor. So when Jesus is shepherding the people, he's pastoring the people. He's guiding them to the local church. Amen? You can read it throughout the word. Shepherd means pastor. And here's what happens when we're selfish, is we want to control things when we're selfish in this. We as a body of Christ can sometimes think that we get to tell the pastor if he has authority and order or not. In the flesh. That's not biblical. We have to know who our pastor is. So that we can recognize that he's hearing from God so we can follow him because he's guiding the local church. Amen? We're a big church. But when Randy gets back from his vacation, I'm expecting that he's going to get a bunch of phone calls to go to dinner next week. (laughs) This is a critical thing. We can't be in a place where we want to control that situation. We need to trust our pastor. So that we can allow him the opportunity to speak into our lives when we need guidance. Amen? How do you listen to your pastor if you think you give him the authority and control? You can't hear him sometimes. Very important. What happens in that situation is, is our ego takes over. And controls the situation to where we think that we're right and we won't listen and won't hear. And you know what that does? It kills the movement of the Holy Spirit. It kills it. If we can't follow our leaders who are governing and guiding this church. It's crucial you understand that this morning. The last question I want to share with you. God is not fair. I keep going through these trials and temptations with sin He won't answer my prayers. How many of you have been there and said, God, why aren't you answering my prayers? Why aren't you answering my prayers? Listen to this word in James, James 4, 1 through 4. That's what it says. What causes fights and quarrels among you, don't they come from your desires that battle within you? Every fight, every quarrel, every situation, the root of it is selfishness. Because we want to win the argument. Let that set in and sink in a little bit. 
Because that's what the word's saying here. Verse 2, you desire but do not have, so you kill. How many people here know that if we want to win an argument, we can destroy somebody's life? Right? Who came to kill, steal, and destroy? When we're living in a place like that, we're in the devil's playground. You've got to recognize that. It's selfishness. Amen? Let's continue. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. If I don't get my way, I'm going to fight this thing out, right? When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. I want you to know something about prayer. When you pray to God, you get an answer every single time. It's either yes, no, or wait. And we can't stand it when we get a no and a wait, can we? We want it now. When we're praying in the flesh, we don't want to deal with no and wait. Let me give you an example of wait. How many people in this room have been praying for a person to come to Jesus Christ for at least five years and they haven't made that decision? Look. How about 10 years? Have you been praying for somebody? Patience, waiting on God to move. We can't live in our flesh and make things happen, amen? Your prayer gets answered every single time. You need to be prepared to, to deal with the no and deal with the wait as much as you want the yes. Because here's the deal, when we're living in the flesh, we have no idea what's good for us sometimes. We think that this is gonna be the right thing to do and this is what should happen and what we don't realize in six months, that decision is gonna destroy our lives or someone around us. And we need to have a no and a wait. God answers your prayers. Don't be selfish and think that he doesn't recognize he's telling you no or wait, maybe. Listen to the last part of this word in verse 4. James says, you adulterous people. He's talking to the 12 tribes, lots of people. And he calls them adulterous people. Don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity or hatred against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Adulterous people. He calls all those people adulterous. Now, how does he know? Now, everybody here knows that adultery means you're cheating on something, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about. And here's James calling all these people adulterous people. You know what he's telling them? He's telling them that they're cheating on Jesus. We can't live in a life of sin and then go to Jesus and then go back and live in that life of sin and go to Jesus. Now, Jesus, the word says that he's going to forgive our sins, but Jesus doesn't want us to live in the sin. He wants us to repent from the sin and turn away from it. Amen? And we can't be cheating on Jesus. Because you know the truth. And that's what James is telling them. Don't cheat on Jesus. 
Seek him, follow him with all that you are, all that you have. Amen. Church, we have to serve one another. We have to love one another. We have to edify one another. We have to be part of the order of our church with one another. We have to live with one another because we're God's people. Amen? We can't be selfish. I've got to be prepared to be unoffendable so that I can share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because you know, when you share Jesus with somebody, they try to throw mud in your face sometimes, don't they? And if you're selfish and you're offended by that, you're not going to share the word. We need to be unoffendable in a place prepared for that so when that comes, we're ready to talk about who he is so that person can walk into the kingdom of God today when they make that decision, amen? Unoffendable. Selfishness is destructive. And we need to start looking for ways to rooting that out of our lives. Don't let the world numb you. And don't let it take away you being unoffendable. Because the truth is, is the enemy is trying to find inroads into your life to destroy it. And if you live in sin and in selfishness and in control and all the things we've talked about today, you're giving him inroads into your life to attack and destroy things, to destroy people and loved ones in your life. Amen? To learn more about us, visit www.gateway-community.org. Welcome to your journey.